Hello, and welcome to Unscripted, conversations about sexual and domestic violence, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from domestic and sexual violence services and partner organizations discussing all aspects of interpersonal violence, plus solutions and resources for support for residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Kendra Lee. On this edition of Unscripted, I'm talking with Ricardo Sanchez, resident in counseling and domestic and sexual violence services, anger and domestic abuse prevention and treatment program, also known as ADAPT, and Benny Heron, father engagement supervisor in the Department of Family Services, Children, Youth and Families Division, about the roles fathers can play to promote healthy relationships. Ricardo, Benny, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for having us here. It's awesome. In our culture, it seems like dads are kind of given second-class citizen status. Like, often, they're like Homer Simpson, the butt of the jokes. Mm. We don't celebrate dads in the same way we celebrate mom. Like, you know, think of how we observe Mother's Day versus how we observe Father's Day. We don't think dads contribute as much to their children's lives as moms do. And we certainly don't think that they can play any role in promoting healthy relationships. That's the topic of this episode of Unscripted Conversations about Sexual and Domestic Violence. And those are the stereotypes we're going to try to unravel today. Mm -hmm. So, Benny, I'm throwing this first question to you. Okay. Though we've come a long way since the 1950s image of dads in this country, we still tend to think of fathers as largely absent, Mm -hmm. away from home and their children all day because they have to be the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And when children are left with dad because mom's away, let's say she went out for a girl's night with her friends, um, we th- we call dad babysitter. Mm. Why is this thinking faulty? Is it harmful in any way? Most definitely. I I think it's this. This is a, a parallel thinking that we sort of um, still struggle with. You know, um, one thing that we always say in our program, in the father engagement program, is that. Fathers or men are often seen as a nice have and not a must have, right? And I always sort of look at my sort of calling card to my work as trying to change that narrative. Um, I, we, we all know the, the tropes and some of the, like you mentioned, in, you know, in the beginning about some of the stereotypes and perceptions of fathers and how and men are seen, you know, and when we talk about fathers, we say fathers, we say dads, right? But who who are we really talking about? We're talking about men, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of look at this. When I talk about that parallel father, man, it kind of runs parallel because fathers are treated the same way or perceived in the same way as men and not to be negative <laughs> out the gate. But I think and I had to even unlearn this, a lot of the the, percept- the perceptions and ideas around manhood are often negative. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, I'll just be explicit, you know, men are dogs. They can't be trusted. You know what I mean? So when we when we transition into fatherhood, that thinking doesn't necessarily change. We like to think that this this newborn bundle is automatically going to change us. Right. And people want to believe that, but that perception is still there. And that's what we're often up against systemically when we talk about men and fathers. I mean, there's 
just across social media, so many podcasts, relationship podcasts, masculine versus feminine and the roles changing and trying to get back to traditional roles. And we talk often a lot about those things in our classes and the, the classes that we provide in our program. And what we really try to get them to to understand is that who you are as a man is what's going to guide your parenting. That's what's going to guide your fatherhood, who you are as a man. And we like to believe that, oh, my gosh, I have this baby. I'm going to change and I'm going to be different. But that's who you are until you do the work intentionally to change. And that same thinking has to be applied to to women, to our counterparts, to society, our community, in that how we perceive men is how we're going, we're going to perceive fathers. So yes, it is very negative and a, a very much a challenge. And it's something that we continuously try to work on in our program. Ricardo, I see you nodding. Mm-hmm. What is, yeah. What's your take on this? And yeah, Benny, you brought a really interesting point. Who you are as a father, it's uh, really the key um, to understand this because we have all these messages coming from all directions telling us to, or telling men who you need to be. Or, you know, your characteristics are going to be this and that. Uh, and until, you know, that is much more clear, I think until we embrace the real meaning of, of who men are, uh, I think that's going to, uh, uh, really help us change and, and, and do a better, a better work in, you know, in, in, in all of this, uh, because we have all these uh, different, um, stereotypes and uh, perceptions of men. Men need to be this way. Uh, we need to be show our emotions only when we are angry. Then we need to shut them down. And, and therefore, uh, there is still a lot of things that we need to kind of clear up. Right. Well mm-hmm. said. Well said. So uh, this group, Equamundo, just recently released a state of fatherhood report and, and this report found that moms still do the bulk of caregivings, but fathers are doing more than right. they used to in the past. Right. right. Some mm-hmm. of this shift we're saying is the COVID effect because both moms and dads said during COVID, during the pandemic, they had mm-hmm. to step up their caregiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But has the change in levels, have you seen that it's going back to pre-pandemic behaviors or are you seeing that it's kind of staying similar with dads doing more since the pandemic has been declared no longer a pandemic i'll let you set this one off ricardo ricardo (laughs) since i ran my mouth for a good three minutes (laughs) okay um i think fathers are stepping up um during the pandemic especially for those parents or those fathers who wanted to spend more time with their children or wish they had the opportunity to to spend more time. And then COVID came. That was a golden opportunity for many, many uh, dads mm. to do that. Um, so on that level, they had a good chance to experience, you know, spend more, t- more time. Uh, in, but at the same time, it was a, a challenge uh, because the structure that we had at home and the flow of things were different. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that was something that um, probably there are going to be more studies coming up on, on how that uh, played in terms of relationship at home. We did see an increase of mothers, uh, for example, in ADAPT 
um, receiving our services during the, those uh, that period of time. Um, but it, it's also it was also an opportunity for parents to uh, uh, really do what they wanted to do. Perhaps they were not the best at the, at the beginning, but uh, I think it was a chance to uh, to do more. Along that line, Ricardo, mm-hmm. I mean, I what I've experienced and and because during the transition from you know sort of normal to the sort of COVID normal. We were actually facilitating a class in person at that time. Um, and we had to make a decision what we were going to do. Were we going to suspend the class for the remainder or were we going to change to virtual? Um, and we switched, we switched to virtual. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. we've been virtual ever since with, mo- with all mm-hmm. of our classes. Um, and I, I say all that to say, you know, that time period where it kind of pressed the pause button on everyone's lives, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things that we talked a lot about with the fathers that we work with was that um, this is a time for us to really delve inward, right, and reflect and sort of focus on the things that we really, really value, right? And I say this, that's, that can be challenging because the normal world allows you to kind of escape. It can, you can go to work, you That's can stay true. busy, uh-huh. you can get out mm-hmm. of your house, you can, and you're not necessarily forced naturally to deal with sort of the milieu of your home, mm-hmm. right? And you have to look your partner in the eye. You have to be the one that hears the babies crying and bringing, you know, and dealing mm-hmm. with them, helping them get into class online and all that stuff. And so it, it, it was a, a both a gift and a curse for many because the work, was sort of insulated. Like you had to mm-hmm. really tune in to who you were. And mm-hmm. to, to your point, Ricardo, s- some of yeah. people didn't meet that, that challenge. This was yeah. a, re- it was a really, really tough mm-hmm. time for him and That's for true. them. And it was a spike in the, in, in intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm. I know our numbers increased as far as, you know, dealing with men with anger management issues. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, and I'm saying it as it's past tense. We're still kind of in it, right? And mm-hmm. we're transitioning out. But sort of that, that again, that perception of who we are as men and who we are as fathers, you know, we, we have to work towards kind of changing that narrative mm-hmm. that we are, we are just as I tell men all the time and they don't like when I say it, but I say it probably in every class. I'm like, just remember, we're just as emotional as women. And that because we're human. It may look, it may look different. It may manifest different. We may be trained and conditioned to respond to our emotions different. But when we see a baby crying, we feel something just as that mother feels. Now, Mm -hmm. what we do with that feeling is the work that we start. We, I'm pretty sure you, you're, you're familiar with this, Ricardo. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what, what do you do with that feeling Mm -hmm. once you have it? right? Right. And, Right. I think that I don't even know if I'm answering the question anymore, but that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of that that's that's again that's the lift that's yeah. the lift that we're we're up against. True. Yeah, I think in a way I would summarize as a, a challenging opportunity. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, because at the same time, during that time when everybody was at home, uh, for a father, it was also a time to reach out. 
right. and, and, and tell the partner, you know, I don't know much about this or right, right, can right, you right. help me with this or how can I help you? All those right. things, uh, you know, were right there. So can we talk about what a dad's caregiving looks like and how it differs from a mom's caregiving? Like I remember my dad, when he gave me my bath when I was little, he let me splash in the water and play with some toys for, you know, like 10 minutes before he actually bathed me. My mom was all business. There was no playing. You were here to get clean and get out and go to bed. And she frequently would shut down his caregiving right. techniques. Right, right. You're doing it wrong. You're parenting wrong. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh-huh. preferred, yeah. I preferred his way because I got to play for a little while. Right. But right. How, how, how does male caregiving look? Is there a difference? I think there are some differences. If yes. I may ask, um, yes, yes. respond this. Um, I think we meant them to be a little more playful. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, a little more uh, forgiving in certain areas, a little bit uh, uh, less tuning. Um, <laughs> I noticed that uh, in my personal experience, I enjoy more physical things, activities with my dad. Um, a man was more like the person who would do a lot of things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there are some differences. Uh, and I think there are some studies that also kind of talk about this, but uh, yes. it's mainly styles, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. I mean, yes, to your point, Ricardo, there's numerous studies and there's a lot of research out there and I won't mm-hmm. pretend to be an expert in qu- trying to quote them. But, you know, when we talk about the the difference in, in between men and women and how they perceive parenting, you know, a, a man's style is 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 a little bit more um independent and as far as to foster independence whereas you know if i if i always give this example of when i you know used to take my daughter to the park i would sit on the bench and just let her play and i may be 200 you know which sounds crazy but 200 feet away from her right and so my style is maybe a little bit more risk taking Right. And within, within the realm of safety and, and, you know, I'm a, um, there's actually sort of a, a, um, a elevator, uh, sort of response to this question. <laughs> and it's simple as, as when there's been a study where men were observed with their children 10 out of 10 times, they would hold their infant or toddler in a different way. Right. Mm. And then maybe three out of 10 times a mother would hold that child in a different way. So that that difference in style is both. It's necessary. It's not a better or worse. But again, that father's approach, that male approach is maybe teaching them a little bit more uh, independence, risk taking. Mm. It, whereas mom's st- style is looking at it for more is coming from more of a nurturing and secure mm standpoint Mm -hmm. but together they sort of form like voltron and create this super parent right Mm -hmm. so it's not about better or worse it's about need it's about needing both and understanding Mm -hmm. that both are necessary to ensure that this child is is Mm -hmm. being nurtured healthy right and and i would also add that they they might be i'm not uh i'm kind of speaking from personal observations 
There might be a cultural component here mm-hmm. as well. Yes. Uh, working with uh, immigrant populations, I noticed that sometimes uh, um, fathers tend to hang out more with boys mm. uh, in, in some cultures mm. and, and mothers with the girls. And mm. something is not nothing nothing wrong with that. Nothing. It's just that right, you know, right. different ways of uh, uh, experiencing family life. Right. Well said. Oh, nice. Up. Interesting observation. Mm-hmm. So, Benny, how does a dad's presence in a child's life help that child? I'm thinking about the research that I've seen that says children who have relationships with their fathers do better in school. They're right. less likely to engage in risky behaviors or harmful behaviors. How do like, really break it down for me? How does having a dad in your life, if you're a child, help your life, better your life? Right. Improve your I, life? I think kind of goes along with what we were just saying, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandmother had a saying, um, which she, I can't, she didn't make it up, but she said it all the time. So I, I, I credit it to her. She would say when they're young, they're heavy on your toes. Where you, when your children are young, they're heavy on your toes. And when they're older, they're heavy on your heart, right? So mm-hmm. when, when they're, when your child is there on your toes, you can put them in your lap and you can nurture them and guide them and wipe their faces and change diapers and see them off to school and hold hands. Ultimately, what you're telling them is that they feel secure. You're giving them a space to feel secure. Mm-hmm. And child development and psychology, that's sort of th- the basics for a successful human being, let alone a child, right? But mm-hmm. that's the groundwork. That's the foundation. What type of security and comfort are you creating in sort of the context of your home? And I think to your to your point, Kendra, the statistics show that when both parents are in the lives of a child from birth, that increases that nurturing capacity. It increases that those protective factors. You have two families, maternal, paternal, to, to insulate and, and, and covet that child with everything that they need. And things they don't need, because sometimes you, you get it wrong. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, but that, that just increases the likelihood that this individual is going to feel safe and secure in their home. And we always talk about in our class that your home should be the battery. That should be where children mm-hmm. go and feel recharged. They're able to feel recharged and, and rejuvenated. And refresh so that when they go back into the world, they feel secure. It's really hard for a child to feel secure at school and focus on school and education when they're worried about what mommy and daddy are doing. Is daddy, mommy and daddy going to be fighting when I get home? And even, you know, socioeconomically, is, mm-hmm. are the lights going to be on? Is, the, is there going to be food in the refrigerator? Where am I going to eat tonight? So when those things in combination of motherhood and fatherhood are, mm-hmm. are, are sound, not perfect, but sound, it increases the likelihood that, that that child or children are going to be off far more than mm-hmm. and it's a child that didn't have those resources and that type of support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I was just going to say that I, that was very well said, Benny, and I couldn't agree more because um, children see the parents as, as their superheroes. Right. And for them, it's so important that they they respect each other, they get alone, and they learn so much from them because they, 
you know they admire them uh, so it's it's really crucial that uh, the relationship among parents is is really important the quality of the relationship well said mm-hmm. which brings me to something else i'm thinking about what happens when the relationship between the parents ends especially if it ends because of violence mm-hmm. how do dads maintain a relationship a strong connection with their children mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they don't have main custody because they are separated because of this violence, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. here it's a it's a challenge, obviously. Um, but the key here is pretty much just to there is going to be a lot of um, emotional encounters. Mm-hmm. But the challenge here is to uh, step up and regular regulate those emotions, and especially. When the, the the children are not uh, are you know a few days with one parent and, and the other days with the other, uh, it's really important that the child begins to see that although they might not be together, they respect each other, and that the love for the child is not going mm-hmm. to go away. The exactly. love is going to stay there. Exactly, exactly. I mean, along that line, you know, it's just you know we always you know tell you know love is a verb. Right. It's it, it's not just something you say. It's not just something, you know, you 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 put on a, a card or write at the end of a letter as a salutation. It's a verb, you know. And what does it look like along what Ricardo was saying? What does it look like in action? Right. And we actually have a, a lesson in our curriculum, the 24 seven dads curriculum that we use for our parenting classes. Um, around co-parenting, one one we devote a whole session to just that co-parenting, and that's kind of like the the that's the siren session because that's where all the men come <laughs> with their issues and you know and and talk about the, the the custody battles and such. And I've sort of informally renamed that session to 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 be how do you parent with someone you dislike slash even hate how do you parent how do you parent through that and it goes along with what ricardo was just saying it's about getting to a space where you may not even get along you may not even be able you may communicate through emails and texts with that parent but when Uh your child interfaces with you who do they see are they seeing Mm -hmm. are you transferring that anger that that discontent to the child right because Mm -hmm. Your child is keeping a tally. And mm-hmm. a lot of times in these custody battles and, and, and the, the, the contentious relationships, the breakups, you know, it's hard to not see your spouse in your child. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do you compartmentalize that? How do you work through that? Right. And get to a place to where you really are interfacing and interacting just with your child on a loving and nurturing and caring level. Because over time, if that mm-hmm. other parent is bashing you behind mm-hmm. your back and when you go home, they're asking you, what you do with daddy? Oh, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. And you're living up to that because you're responding in kind, right? You're being the person that mm-hmm. mom is saying you are. Same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the trick is to not be that person and counter that, that counter that thinking with healthy relationship with your children and in time in time as your children get older 
they'll understand like, and this isn't a sign, it's not perfect, but in time they'll understand like, hmm, everything that mom has said about dad to me, for me, he's, he's never really been that. Mm-hmm. They may never say, mm-hmm. hopefully they don't have to say that to their mother <laughs> or the father has, the, or the child has to say that to their father. But that's just, that should be your reality, your goal in, re- in your reality sure. is like to be, d- don't live up mm-hmm. to that narrative that that mother tries to paint of you and vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. So when your child gets to know you, they get to know you and you have a healthy relationship. And then when they're 15, 16 years old, they're like, you know, yeah, I know my mom couldn't stand my dad, but he was a lovely father to me and he was mm-hmm. good to me. And I, I didn't see any of that. Yeah. So basically you're saying model healthy relationship behaviors. Exactly. Even exactly. if your relationship is no longer healthy. Right. And it's not about perfection. Things are going to happen. They're going to hear arguments. They're going to, you know, mm-hmm. but. When yeah. they do, when they do, how do you double back? Right? right. How do you reinforce that safety? How do you reinforce uh-huh. and reinforce that nurturance? Don't just leave it open like, oh, well, that's just the way me and mama communicate. No. no. Before they go to bed or the next day, like, hey, you know, I know you may have heard some things what me and mama uh-huh. said, but you know, just know that you know me and mommy are working on some things. I love depending on the development, right. the, the right. de- level of development, right? Sure. You know, if it's if it's a, a a toddler, you just want to go in there and give them a big hug and say, "I love you." And me and mommy are going to be mm-hmm. fine. But if it's a fifteen or sixteen year old, you might have to give them yeah. a little bit more information because they heard and understand what you sure. were saying. Sure. <laughs> and mm-hmm. right. Along the process, uh, you know, it's so important for parents to practice that self reflection exactly. constantly because the interactions with the children and and you know what that said about me or in mm-hmm. all of this um it is also our work as as fathers to um you know really rethink and grow with the child as well right. because there are going to be a lot of those moments of disagreements right and the child is going to learn how they work out the right. any issues right. I remember just a quick story, really quick. I just remember when my daughter was maybe almost two and me and my wife were playfully arguing over the which music we were going to listen to in the car. Just playfully. Like, and, you know, I don't like to listen to the radio. My wife likes the radio. She likes top 40 music. I want to play my ox chord. I want to play CDs or something. And we're like, you know, kind of like, like I'm driving, I'm pushing her hand away and my daughter in the back is stop fighting and just tears streaming <laughs> and that just said so much to me like wow we're like baby no mommy and daddy were just playing we didn't you know and but that said and i'm like imagine if yeah. we were really having an intense mm-hmm. argument yeah. how would i have come full circle to make her feel comfortable and safe again what would that have yeah. looked like and that just gave me chills like oh my gosh like thinking about mm-hmm. some of the clients that we interact with and how they have to deal with that and the, what the children are doing with. And then what if my child got, my daughter got to a point to where she didn't even respond anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. And just, this is just mommy and daddy. But what is that doing to them and their development, Damn, their emotional right. development, their psychological development? It just gave me chills. So mm-hmm. I just had to share that. So if, if there's violence and, and the children are seeing violence, mm-hmm. Let's say for the sake of this discussion, dad mm-hmm. is the one who caused the harm. Mm-hmm. 
How do you repair a relationship with a child when you've caused harm and they've seen you cause mm-hmm. harm? Right, right. Unfortunately, that is the, the reality of many, many families. What we do here at ADAPT is that we um, try to instill a lot of compassion. Mm-hmm. Self-compassion and compassion. Uh, we follow this uh, curriculum from Dr. Steven Stasny, who has done a great job in in putting together all these different approaches and techniques. But the main idea is that through compassion, all these difficult situations are going to be uh, much less painful, especially for the pe- person who has... Uh, cause harm, obviously the victim is, is, is mm-hmm. also suffering, but for the person who has caused harm, through compassion, it comes the realization of, you know, what I've done was terrible. Mm-hmm. What I've done, it's, you know, I'm doing harm to myself at the same time because it's my loved ones why I did this. Uh, so when that happens, and sometimes it takes a while, mm. weeks and months, um, when that realization comes to the surface, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's when the it's the moment in which the the in this case the the person who caused harm uh, realizes that I gotta think twice before I do something like this. Mm-hmm. There is a sense of remorse, but the I would say the positive remorse uh, mm-hmm. that uh, I'm gonna do better from now mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So the accountability comes from that. Yes. So it's it's really nice when that begins to to happen. Right. And along that line, you know, when, when, you know, we, we interact with men in that setting, you know, we try to get the, help them understand and get to that place of compassion and that self accountability and that self awareness, right? And, and live in that self awareness and understand that you've, you've done some harm. And so you have to give your child some space for them to go through and hopefully we're getting them some supports and they're getting what they need, you know, from, from maybe a clinical standpoint or an emotional standpoint, but you and your relationship with your child, it's going to take some time for that to go back to being what it once was or for you to work towards getting to the place you wanted it to be in the first place. And you have to honor that because I've interacted with men and fathers that they're like, Oh, well, you know, she's still, you know, acting like she's scared of me. And that happened a year ago. And I'm like, look, that, that was her reality. Mm-hmm. You put her in that context of that, that reality. And you, you can't, it's not fair. And it's not your place to tell her how she needs to process. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do you, fe- how do you feed her the nurturance and the love and the care that he or she needs? to get you back to that place where maybe you once were. And it, it, to your point, Ricardo, it takes time. Mm-hmm. And hopefully in, in programs like mine and Ricardo's, mm-hmm. they're learning tools. Tools, yeah. Will help them work through that yes. and, and towards that. Mm-hmm. Very well said, Benny. And these tools, uh, you know, like we mentioned, take a little time, but it's the practice, the role-playing and all of that, that really translates from theory to practice pretty much. Exactly. And, exactly. and that, that is really beautiful when it works out. Mm-hmm. Okay. That'll do it for this edition of Unscripted Conversations about Sexual and Domestic Violence. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Ricardo and Benny for being here. Thank you. 
If you or someone you know has experienced interpersonal violence, call the Domestic and Sexual Violence 24-Hour Hotline at 703-360-7273. That's 703-360-7273. Or visit fairfaxcounty.gov and search for Domestic and Sexual Violence. To listen to other county podcasts, visit www.fairfaxcounty.gov slash podcasts. Unscripted Conversations About Sexual and Domestic Violence is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia Government.